From Real Ghost Stories Online, this is group therapy for the paranormally afflicted. Is that paranormally affected? Paranormally affected. Yes. There we go. I want to start using that at the beginning of the show. So okay. There we go. I, I tried. I, I got it a little messed up this first time. But, I give uh, you permission to use that. All right. This is group therapy for the paranormally affected. That's what Real Ghost Stories Online is. We thank you so much for joining us, Tony and Jenny Bruski. If you have a real ghost story, we'd love to hear it. You can write into us at realghoststoriesonline.com or you can call into our show anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week uh, at uh, 855-853-4802. That is our phone number, of course. We thank you in advance for sharing the show, telling some friends about it, posting it on uh, your Facebook, your Twitter, Pinterest, uh, whatever you use to... Uh, to uh, share social media, please keep doing that because that helps us grow and helps us create a better show for you every single day that we put one out here at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, and if you uh, right now give us a review on iTunes and you email me the username that you used, I will send you a bonus episode of the show, an unpublished episode, uh, as a thank you for doing that. You just email T-O-N-Y at realghoststoriesonline.com uh, with the username that you used and I will uh, reply back to there with the a uh, free episode, the bonus episode. It's a full-blown, hour-long episode that we produced just uh, just for you. Uh, some uh, follow-up on a couple things that uh, we've talked about on, on recent episodes of the show. Uh, someone wrote in uh, on, on YouTube, I grew up in Lamar, because we talked about our, our little yeah. road trip the other day. And uh, the fine hotel that we stayed at that should probably have been condemned. I'm sorry you had to stay there, the person said. Someone who grew up in that fine little community. Uh, and then they named uh, a hotel that they thought we may have stayed at. And I won't put it on here because I don't want to be sued. Um, but it's listed on YouTube. And uh, I'll just say, ding, ding, ding. Um, uh, yeah. And then someone else uh, chimed in. Oprah stayed in that same hotel and it scared the bejesus out of her. Uh, that might be why the loop's on the doorknob. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and I, I did a little YouTube of that to see if uh, there was any footage of Oprah staying at the hotel. And there was. Oh, really? It's online. And this is um, probably in the late 90s or so when she did that. Or maybe, I don't know, early 2000s. When did she do her uh, trip it, across it the country? It was probably early 2000s. Okay. She yeah. and her friend Gail did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just berates the place. She doesn't say the name of it ever mm-hmm. either. But there's video of everything like but the sign, so you but you can tell you what, know where it you is. You know where it is, and uh, they had incidents at this hotel where she said that her her makeup person uh, went into the bar, and that uh, he was berated with uh, somebody at the bar saying, "Hey, there's that n bitch." Uh, staying in our, in our hotel tonight, or something of that nature. Oh, yeah. wow, yeah. And so it was just very racist. Yeah. Um, which I'm not all that surprised by the area. Um, and then uh, she, what, what did she, I don't know, what the hell happened to her? Oh, uh, one of her camera people found a shotgun shells outside their door. <laughs> like as a threat? I don't think it was a threat. I think they probably just been there for a while. But not. Just a, been there for a while, shotgun well, shells? It was outside. It was one of the outside rooms. Oh. So it was an outside bottom floor room and the hotel you remember kind of backs up to like a Yeah, like there's like kind of a parking area with trucks yeah. truckers and trucks. But stops nonetheless. And, yeah. You're finding, you know, shotgun shells outside your 
door. That's not good. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was a threat. I don't know. But uh, yes. So I think that may have just answered why there was eight locks on the door, five locks on the door. I don't want to exaggerate. There was only five. Yeah, only five. Only five. Um, (laughs) Did you put a picture of the door up? I know you took one. Uh, I think I put it on my regular Facebook page, but I'll put it up on uh, on Real Ghost Stories. We're not even joking. No, I'm not exaggerating. I guess I was exaggerating when I said eight, but there was five. And it was just it was just spooky. (laughs) But hey, the pool was nice and warm. It would have been less spooky if it were haunted. I think you're right, because you know what was eerie about the place is it was empty most of the time. Mm -hmm. There was very few people in it. At any given point, we went to the pool, no one there. You walk around the halls, no one there. I mean, in the, the only time I actually saw other people in the hotel was when they had the continental or the breakfast thing in the morning. Yeah. And then you could tell there were some other people who had stayed at some portion of the hotel. But these are people you never saw at any other point. Nowhere near you. Well, and even there, the first time we stayed there, there was like a couple of guys that just got so mad at their weight. They yeah. walked out. <laughs> they were cursing at the waitress. Yeah. Oh, it was a dandy, dandy place. Like I said, though, five, ten years from now, it will be infested with cats because it ain't going to survive. Places like that cannot live anymore at this day and age. I mean, can you imagine if like TripAdvisor and Yelp existed when Oprah did that show? It would have been it would have been just berated people who never had stayed there. And and with those reviews, I mean, there's a bunch of bad reviews up about this place. Uh huh. But. Had that happened, it would have been like the Amy's Baking Company on Kitchen Nightmares. Yeah. Where everyone just berated the place, even though they've never eaten there. That's what would have happened. I had that stuff existed. Uh, but I think enough people, you know, they, they use those services. Just normal people use these services now. Have you done a search on the hotel to see if there was any crimes or anything? I just really want to know the whole story. I, I have it. No, I, I would be uh, interested to uh, okay. hear that. I'm surprised they didn't have a little sign up that said Oprah stayed here. <laughs> No kidding. <laughs> because most places would be very proud of that fact. Um, but I guess if you Googled that little uh, experience, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't stay here. So anyway, thank you for writing in. And um, yeah, that town needs a little bit of help. And I know I've, I've gotten a couple angry people when I've called out some cities <laughs> in the past now <laughs> where they're like, I don't like that you're calling my city a dump. I'm sorry. There's some dumpy cities out there. if you have a real ghost story that you would like to uh, to share with us. Lamar, on the other hand. (laughs) Those people that are from there that heard the show were sympathetic to us. And, oh, man. There were some friendly folks there. Yeah, the the people really weren't bad. Yeah, just that one hotel that we stayed at was kind of... Anyway, we're done harping on the hotel. Sorry. Let's pick another city to rip. I'm kidding. Uh... Another letter that wrote in uh, 12 years ago, my fiance died during uh, the night at a hospital that same night as I was asleep and didn't know uh, he had died yet. I saw this bright yellow glowing ball hovering next to me. Uh, It was the size of a basketball and it looked just like the sun. It was very bright, but somehow it didn't hurt my eyes to look at it. It was floating at the height of about four feet. For some reason, I was really down to it. So... I began to reach out with my two hands. After that, I don't remember anything. The next day, as I was telling my best friend about it, she informed me that he had passed during the night. I still wonder what it was. I bet he was coming to say goodbye. I'm going to guess it was a fiance. Yeah, I mean, that would yeah. make logical sense for the timing there. Yeah. So that what's interesting about that is, is how can you choose people and say goodbye? Can you pick? I'm going to be a glowing orb. You know, or I'm going to actually be in, you know, human 
form or as you know, close human form as you can get. I don't have any idea. Or you can come back as like a, I'm going to come back in an elephant costume or something. I like, love that. Like that our one awesome. listener that wants to be like that in their, uh, in their grave. I think that's very cool. Uh, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost stories with us. We would absolutely love to hear them. Uh, or you can, of course, always write, on, write into us on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Um, uh, we have another person who, actually a couple of people who think they heard an EVP the other night. All right. Ready for this one? Yep. Now, I dug this up. And I, I dug, dug up the actual call itself because the the point that they're pointing out on the episode has, you know, some background music in it. And I wanted it to just to be kind of as clear as so, we as so we can So you make. dug up the call without our background music. Correct. Okay. And, and this is an EVP that it, it sounds like, I mean, it was not picked up on our microphones. It sounds like maybe it was over the phone, which makes it very difficult for me to say what it was because it's someone on the phone. Okay. Um, just like our one call with the uh, the dishes lady. Okay. Where she says she wasn't doing dishes, and it sounds like she's doing a lot of dishes. Uh, so here's the little piece of audio from the other night, and uh, just take uh, take a close listen to this little piece, and you tell me if you hear anything in it. And it turns out that like other people see this stuff too, and it's not just some big TV thing. So thanks for listening, and have a good day. Bye. Get anything? Yeah, I heard something, but I couldn't make out what it was. I just heard a little rustling here. And it turns out that like rustling. other people see this stuff too. Rustling. And it's not just some big TV thing. She took a breath right there. So thanks for listening. You could hear her clearly exhale as she's saying, "Thanks for listening." So thanks for listening. Can you hear the breath? So thanks for listening, and have a good day. Sorry, I don't think it's anything. I heard some rustling. I heard rustling, but who doesn't rustle with things when they're on the phone? Yeah. So I didn't. I I got to write this one as not a clear EVP. Sorry. It didn't sound as good as your burp the other day. It did not. Where I I kind of sounded like an EVP. You sounded very much like an EVP. Well, here's the thing. Listen, listen to what you can do with this. This is the. Uh, we're taking a breath. And that's at normal volume. If we crank the hell out of that, we can really make it sound like an EVP. So, thanks for listening. Okay. You know, oh my God, it's an EVP. And what is it saying? It's saying he. You know, someone taking a breath. So, uh, again, good job paying attention to the show and pointing some things out like this. But, again, I don't think these are EVPs. No. We got to find one. Someday. That is unexplained. That we can't say either one of us made that noise. Yeah. That... You know, doesn't sound like dishes or some wrestling. Someday we will. Someday. We will get one. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call with your real ghost stories. Let's go to a caller. Hi, Tony and Jen. Uh, my name is Patty. I have called in a couple of times, actually. Um, and I am the girl whose um, parents' house is haunted in the basement where the guy committed suicide. And I also called about the broom incident, and I also submitted a story about my dog, um, hearing my dog. Um, I just want to tell you guys, now that you guys said something on the show about, you know, keeping you guys updated, stuff like that, it's not necessarily paranormal, I just thought it was interesting. Um, my grandma passed away in November of 2013, 
And I was really, really close with her. I was actually named after her. Um, her and I had a very special bond. Um, I consider her one of my very best friends because I felt like I could tell her anything. And, you know, her and I love talking about the paranormal. Well, um, you know, we got on the subject, my mom and I. I was actually over there uh, Sunday night. And we got to talking. And I actually was talking to my mom about, you know, my grandma and how I missed her, and we somehow got on the subject of wishing we could see her. And I know you guys had an episode, I think it was either today or last night, about uh, one of the last stories you guys had actually played that was about um, a grandson seeing their grandparent, their grandpa. And, uh, you know, it kind of made me think, and I wanted to call about that, because I didn't really think about it until I heard that story. And my mom was telling me that my grandma, she grew up in County Bluffs, Iowa, and the house that I grew up in actually um, was haunted. And it was like a 1900s built centered house, and my grandma was built in like the 1920s. So there was a, like one other owner besides her, because County Bluffs is known actually for their rich, his, rich history, excuse me. And so she grew up in a haunted house. Well, a couple of years later, she was in her teen years, when she was in college, and she actually had a friend that was a psychic. I don't know how true this is, because my grandma liked to, uh, you know, tell really good cinematic stories. So, I mean, I, I'd love to believe her. I don't want to, you know, disrespect the dead or anything, but um, the psychic told her that she had a gift of seeing ghosts and paranormal things, you know, stuff like along those, along those lines. And um, my mom was telling me that she thinks that I inherited the gift because I'm the one who experienced the most activity, even outside of the house. And she said that the gift was something along the lines of um, not like a medium, not as extreme as a medium where you can feel the things, you can hear and actually see them. You can feel the energy, you, you, you know and identify what's there and everything like that. So I just want to share that and see um, what you guys' thoughts are on, you know, the gifts of the paranormal. And, you know, it kind of scares me a little bit because... I mean, as I can see, there's the gift, I can see the, the, the pros and cons of it. Um, but given how many times I've called in and written in and stuff like that, I do have an active paranormal life, and I just feel like every single place I go to, I feel something paranormal. Sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. Um, especially with my parents' house, it's so dark, like you guys said, and it's, sometimes it's hard to be in there. I mean, there's some days where I just I, I can only be there for maybe an hour at that and you know I try to spend the night and I, I just can never fall asleep there ever again and you know it's just crazy to think now that I'm getting older um, it's more intensifying because I just turned 22 in July and uh, you know I just feel like with every year I'm getting more experience and getting more knowledge and getting more um, you know paranormal activity so with that being said I just want to get your guys thoughts on you know things with inheriting gifts uh, so to speak as like you know kind of like where I was getting at with my grandma having this gift and me having potentially this gift because I've been more prone to and sensitive to criminal activity so I just want to get your guys thoughts on you know your opinions and questions and you know just seeing what you guys think of inheriting gifts like that and if you've heard of it if any of your listeners have ever said anything about it um, I would just be really curious about you know I've always been curious about inheriting gifts like that so um Love your guys' show. I will continue to, uh, you know, submit stories as I have them, whatever happens to me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just want to share that with you guys and uh, have a great day. Thank you both. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for your call and on your other calls, too. We've enjoyed all your calls. Um, yeah, I actually mentioned this on yesterday's show, which I don't know if that's aired today or 
tomorrow. By the time they're hearing this, they, they've... Uh, okay. All right. Um, some of those abilities are inherited or genetic. I don't know if genetic, but um, it can run in families. We'll just say it that way. And so it's very possible that if your grandmother had a gift that you and other people in your family may have that gift as well. Now, there's different types of gifts, if we're going to call them gifts. Um, There's people like our friends, you know, Cisco and Mary, that can actually almost be, you know, an interpreter to where they see people that have passed on that come back and show themselves in front of people that they want to relay a message to and it it, you know like mary tells us she has to stop what she's in the middle of handle that and talk to the person you know and and be their go-between and it brings great closure um and i believe cisco kind of does the same type of thing too um i think that's more of a true medium but then there's people that are just sensitive that can tell things but they you know can't see as much i mean occasionally they'll see a ghost or an apparition or an orb but they don't you know they don't have those type of experiences but they can feel different energies positive and negative um i kind of put myself more in that group i've had some paranormal experiences and i kind of have the sensitivity um but my mother does too and i don't know about the other people in our family having that so much but i know she and i have that that we share um and then there, you know, there's empaths that feel other people's feelings and stuff, and they can be more sensitive to paranormal as well. But so there's all different kinds of gifts, and so I hope that answers your question. Yes, if your grandmother had it, you could have it too. Um, anyway, that's all I've got. I think you're right on. Okay. I that's all I got. I I don't need to reiterate what you said because I think you're you explained that pretty well. Okay. So, there you go. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 with your real ghost stories. Let's go to a letter that was uh, written into us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. It comes to us from Travis. says, hello, I recently subscribed to the podcast. I wanted to share the stories that either I or my family have experienced. Not a friend knew a guy who said... Or any urban legendish stories like that. Just to give you a little background, my father is a United Methodist pastor. My sisters and I grew up with the belief that spiritual forces are at work in the world with specific goals. My parents really made an effort to keep us from being exposed to the dark side, even in stories or TV shows. Partly as a result of a lack of exposure, I think we're all a little more interested in it, but have a significantly healthy respect for the potential dangers involved. As far as myself personally, I've experienced very little in the realm of hauntings. I went on a ghost tour in San Antonio that was charming, but as you'd expect, touristy. We were able to play with dousing rods and infrared thermometer guns. It was a good time, but nothing was seen or heard. My wife and I live in central Pennsylvania, so Gettysburg is not far away. I've seen most of the ghost shows that have come to Netflix and have learned the Rosa uh, Carmichael and the orphanage where she abused and possibly murdered children that conveniently ended up missing. My sister came to visit, so we decided to check out some of the sites. We went to the Saxe Bridge, Gettysburg National Cemetery, and then signed up for the evening tour of the building that had been Rosa Carmichael's orphanage. Half of the tour was spent down in the basement where she would chain, starve, beat, and torture the orphans. Part of one of the chains still hangs on the wall. 
Two things happened in this area. During a dowsing demonstration, the tour guide, who had acted as Rosa, asked if Rosa was in the room. The rods pointed to her left. I was skeptical about this demonstration because I wasn't in the position to scrutinize her hand position. Not that I could have even necessarily seen the fine movements that would have moved the rods as if I was right in front of her. I know that dousing works for some people in very mysterious ways, but I think it's more of a personal tool rather than something that shows an observer anything. Still, at that exact point, we suddenly realized that two separate sections of hanging chain were swaying back and forth, each anchored in a stone wall and meeting at a wooden support post right where the rods had pointed. No one was near those chains, and nothing was there to cause them to move. The water heater and central air system were blocked off behind the chains, and I had thought that air pumping out of the system may have blown them into motion. However, when I, the system kicked on later, I noticed that the chains weren't moving at all. Other things that I thought were more surprising, I only once noticed we had left. In reviewing my photos taken during the tour, I found two that had taken... A split second apart, I was probably trying to take a picture, with, but my iPhone 4S camera app had been lagging a little, so I kept tapping in the photo. I was aimed at a black wall right where the chain remnants were hanging. My iPhone camera works much better without its flash, so I never use it, even in dim basements. In the first photo, a tiny bluish-green ball of light is hovering under one of the benches on the dirt floor directly under the hanging chain. In the second photo, it is zipped about two feet to its right in front of the bench. I thought it might be a bug reflecting the light of someone else's camera flash, but no one else was using a flash or taking a picture at the time. This is also an area in shadow under or just in front of the benches that were blocking light from the well-mounted lantern. I'm not a big fan of questionable dirty lens dust ball orb pictures, but the intensity of this mysterious energy ball was striking. Uh, I'll send the photos sometimes. When we left, it was about 9.30 p.m., though we hadn't heard any cannons or gunshots, and it was a relatively quiet tour. We actually smelled gunpowder on the breeze as we were driving past old battlefields. We hadn't heard any blasts in the entire evening, but had arrived at about 5 p.m., I'm very familiar with the smell as my father is also an avid hunter, often using black powder muzzle loaders. That's it for my experiences, but the better stories come from my family. These are much better for the listening audience. Ooh, okay. okay. So far, that was pretty good. That was. I must say. And, uh, I want more. Let's, uh, let's hear the, uh, the rest of uh, the story. As I said, my father is a United Methodist pastor. As a result, he has encountered situations that are a result of dark spiritual forces. He's been involved in exorcisms and regularly goes to bless people's houses. These true stories take place in western New York. First story, a family that attended church regularly consisted of some grandparents that would take care of their three- to four-year-old grandson during the day. They started to notice that he was actively talking to someone as he would play by himself. It got to the point that they were actually concerned to the extent that it was happening. They finally spoke to my dad. He went out to bless their entire house, anointing each room with uh, consecrated oil. After a brief time, he checked back in with the family. Apparently things had gotten much better, but there was still an issue. They would find their grandson at the window sometimes. While he wouldn't talk to the thing inside, it kept asking him to go outside because it could no longer come in. Interesting. Second story. 
I have less details for this story, but he occasionally mentions the dangers of making direct contact with spirits using tools like Ouija boards. I know plenty of people who have played with these, but you have mentioned the dangers of opening yourself up to spirits. Back when he had first been ordained in the 80s, there had been a situation where some teenage girls were playing with a Ouija board at a sleepover. They made contact with something that was trying to get them to open themselves to it. It asked the girls to put their forehead on the board so it could communicate with them better. One girl did it, and supposedly her hair stood on the end the moment that her skin made contact with the board surface. Needless to say, there were some issues with possession that followed that event. I think my dad had been involved in aiding that situation with other local pastors. I'm sorry that I don't have more details, but he was typically reluctant to discuss these kinds of stories, as I mentioned before. A third story. A woman in the local community was found dead, mysteriously. She was in her early 30s and had no significant medical concerns. She had been found collapsed, sitting cross-legged on her bed at home by her husband. She had become active in many New Age practices, including transcendental meditation and astral projection. The autopsy didn't reveal anything. My father follows this story with the note that many people who learn to travel by astral projection often find that they, the further they travel, the more they start to feel that there is something trying to beat them back into their body. I'll just stick to deep breathing. My last set of semi-personal stories revolves around a house owned by family friends. This house had an extensive past, formerly having served as a sort of hospice house in the late 19th or early 20th century. It's a big place and currently has two or three apartments partitioned off in front of the building. While the resident family lived in the back half, it has a large dirt-floored basement with creepy crawl spaces where the family has found some mysterious old glass bottles tucked away out of sight. They hadn't explored or dug anything up beyond that. I have two younger sisters, and I first learned about this house because my youngest sister was very close with the youngest daughter in the family that owns it. My other sister, the middle child, still lives in that town and actually currently rents one of the apartments in this house. I would not, and you'll soon understand why. Story one, my younger sister would go over to this house to hang out with her daughter. They've been best friends since elementary school. She did not like spending the night there because her friend's bedroom had been one of the most active areas in the house. When in the room, both she and my sister would feel like they were being watched by an invisible presence, the kind of thing that makes her skin crawl. Not only that, her friend regularly spoke about seeing shadow people in her room. They'd be crawling on the ceiling and even lying directly above her as she slept. She experienced a lot of nightmares and negativity in this room for obvious reasons. Another part of the story, it was Christmas morning, and this girl, who has now graduated from college, was celebrating with her family. We took some photos and didn't think much about it. This was when, my, uh, when many cameras were still using film. After they had their pictures developed... They saw their Christmas tree, the presents, and themselves, but they also saw something else. Reflected on the large TV screen behind them was a man. He was standing in the doorway, and the expression on his face was clearly angry. Malevolent. <laughs> I said it wrong again! <laughs> Fill me in with a word, please. Malevolent. Malevolent. There we go. I can never say that word correctly. Malevolent. There we go. Malevolent. Angry. Malevolent. There we go. For accent. One of the other strange things about this is that the doorway he had been standing in no longer existed as the home was modified, probably to a lost separation for the apartments. It had been turned into a wall. A phantom standing in a phantom doorway. Hmm. As I said, the middle sister and our family actually lives there now in one of the apartments. 
it was a convenient, uh, rather, a, uh, it was a convenient move at the time that her previous apartment building had transferred owners, and this new landlord wanted to change some more than she wanted to pay, or charge more than she wanted to pay. Otherwise, I can't imagine why she would have moved there. The resident family has experienced some significant turmoil over the past years, and the couple actually has separated since. My dad has spoken with the husband to arrange for a blessing of the whole house, knowing the many dark stories that have come out through my sister's friendship and the nature of their marital struggles. Somehow, it never actually ends up happening, even though the man understands and acknowledges that something supernatural seems to be going on. My parents have come in repeatedly to bless my sister's apartment. They have to keep coming because whatever is there continually comes creeping back in from the rest of the house. Activity seems to be concentrated in a back hallway that leads to her bedroom, her bedroom itself, and the entire hallway or foyer that you enter initially to reach her, the apartments. Unless my parents come back periodically to bless the premises, my sister will regularly see shadow people, hear voices speaking, sometimes to her directly, and hear footsteps. I think activity has really spiked lately, and she's mentioned that her dog has been extremely anxious when she comes home from work. She's starting to think that whatever it is in there has attacked itself, or attached itself to her because she has started to experience things as she takes him on walks around the neighborhood, usually at night. I know that many people don't take this stuff seriously. It's easy to ignore when you aren't faced with it. I'm Christian, and based on what I personally believe and from what I have seen and heard, I am of the opinion that... Most seemingly intelligent hauntings are probably demonic in nature, meaning to deceive, regardless of how innocent they may seem. I don't pretend to understand or know everything, but we are all entitled to our own interpretation of reality. It's interesting to see how science and the unexplained interact. Thinking about residual hauntings, it's interesting to see how geographical factors and energy sources seem to form a crude recording device that periodically replays events that took place throughout history, possibly devoid of any spiritual nature. My last thought, which may be going too far for most people, aliens. I think it's totally possible that alien life could exist in a vast universe, but when you review the accounts of what many people have experienced, it seems to fall in line with stories of spiritual nature. There's a lot of light and energy, things moving beyond what seems physically possible, measured by our standards, things appearing and disappearing instantaneously, humanoid creatures that seem to speak telepathically, out-of-body uh, abduction experiences, even uh, aspects of sexual abuse, abuse, experimentation, torture, mutilations, and suffering inflicted that register with demonic activity. I don't say that it has to be demonic, but it doesn't end up sounding far off. The human psyche is certainly capable of generating many things and capable of believing them to be true in order to cope with trauma a person may have experienced. I'm sure the truth is somewhere in between and very much dependent on the individual situation. I know people are affected strangely by areas with significant electromagnetic fields or other powerful geographical features, such as fault lines. We assemble meaningful perspectives from our experiences in our surroundings, and whether it seems like it or not, I try to be skeptical and find rational explanations when possible. Science and spirituality go together. They don't exist independently of one another. Thank you for your work on your entertaining podcast. I hope you found these stories interesting. That was very well written. Yeah, I, it was a, it was one of the few letters that we get that have multiple stories in. Yeah, that you could follow. <laughs> yeah, it seems a lot of them that are, are, have multiple stories in get very convoluted. It was it was very. I liked how he said story one, story two, story three, and it made sense and it all kind of followed a bit of a timeline. Um, there was a lot to cover in that one. Yeah, there was. Anything stand out to you? Uh, talking about the geographical things and how that can you know bring up unexplained 
fault lines? I didn't heard that one. Well, I had kind of heard of that. Um, again, I'm going to say something that I learned, and somebody's going to write in and correct me. So if I'm wrong, please do so. But what I learned in school was, you know how everybody knows about the Bermuda Triangle mm-hmm. and stuff happens there. Not sure. necessarily paranormal, but disappearances and, and unexplained things. On the opposite side of the Earth, exactly where the Bermuda... Bermuda. Yeah. There's I a can, word you can't say. I can ha, say ha, Bermuda ha. and benevolent and malevolent. Okay. Aren't we special? Yeah. So right across the globe where the Bermuda Triangle is, is the Marianas Trench, which is the deepest part of, I believe it's the Pacific and maybe the Indian Ocean. Anyway, it's the deepest part of the ocean in the world. Okay. Which is an interesting coincidence. It is an interesting coincidence, and I wonder if there's something to do with that. I don't know. It's the portal to hell. I don't know. The Marianas Trench obviously has to be a fault because it's that deep, but... Does anyone remember the the old Art Bell episode where... uh, he had a caller on the line, and this is this is classic horror radio right here. I'm going to see if I can find it too. Um, it, it was a caller who said he had a hole, I believe, like a well or something in his backyard, and it was a portal to hell. And he stuck the phone down it, and it was these horrific sounds. Um, I'm going to see if I can find this here. Um, I believe it was fairly well debunked, um, but nonetheless, it was some of the creepiest sounds I think that you'll ever hear uh, on on radio or, or whatever you're listening to. Let me just see this. I mean, this is if you're you know our show essentially is kind of based off of that old show, the the Ghost to Ghost AM. So now I've got a clean copy of it now, and uh, I warn you. Here's some of it. Uh, this could scare you. Here's the email. Dear Art Bell, I just recently began listening to your radio show and could not believe it when you talked about the sounds from hell tonight. My uncle had told me this story a couple of years ago, and I didn't believe him. Like one of your listeners who discounted the story as nothing more than just a religious newspaper fabricated account. The story about the digging of the hole and the hearing of the sounds from hell is very real. It did occur in Siberia. My uncle collected videos and audio tapes and so forth on the paranormal, supernatural. He passed away fairly recently, but he would have loved your show. He let me listen to one of the audio tapes that he had on the sounds from hell in Siberia, and I copied it. He received his copy from a friend who worked at the BBC. It took me a while to find it tonight, but attached is that sound from my uncle's tapes. It's not the greatest quality, but the sounds are there. I was very hesitant to send you this, as the sound bothers me to listen to. I'd suggest that if you do play it on the program, warn listeners in advance so they may have the option of turning the radio off for 30 seconds while it plays. It has always haunted me. To those who discounted the Siberia sounds from Hell's story, it is true and I, for one, wish it wasn't. Rick, listening from Chicago. 
And so I submit now the cleaned, uh, a better copy to you. And uh, I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. <laughs> So there you go. That was the portal to hell uh, that was originally broadcast in the uh, the 90s on uh, the Art Bell show. Um, and I, I just I had to share this one of those. I remember hearing it as a kid listening and going, oh, my God, that's scary. Well, I'm sorry to say that uh, it indeed was a hoax. Um, the claim was that scientists were drilling in Siberia and they went too far and ended up punching a hole through to hell with the screams. The dam drifted up to them. Uh, here's their, here's the, the reality of it. You ready? Okay. The legend of the well to hell is one that, uh, particularly appeals to some Christian groups as offering confirmation that hell, uh, exists. And this is according to Snopes.com popular endings to the story have it that scientists, uh, ran screaming from the site in terror when confronted with such proof uh, that the discovery of a uh, hell uh, conventions in Christianity began occurring uh, at an unprecedented rate. Uh, there is a hell under Siberia. Scientists have yet to discover it. Uh, if there is a hell under Siberia, scientists have yet to discover it. Uh, what we have here is uh, a uh, legend that's been spun off of an actual event. In 1984, an article about an experimental well in Russia's Kola Peninsula appeared in Scientific America. The Kola well reached 12 kilometers into the ground, where scientists encountered rare rock formations, flows of gas and water, and temperatures up to 180 degrees. Uh, that's pretty significant. Um, so, uh, 180 degrees. In, in many publications afterwards, uh, it was reported up to 2,000 degrees. Okay. Okay, so the initial report was 180. It's hot, but that's gas hot. Yeah. Okay. 2,000, not, uh, that's, you know, I guess magma you yeah. know, or higher, but um, those who did the actual drilling of this very real well did not break through to a hollow center and certainly no uh, screams of the dam were ever heard. That part of the story was pure embellishment added after this real event was turned into a legend. Um. And there's uh, audio clips uh, that uh, were reported, just like the one we just heard. Essentially, those were were made up by people that took these stories and then mailed them into radio shows like Art Bell in the 90s, pre-Wikipedia, pre-Internet, pre, you know, pre being able to do much research of any sort other than taking people's words for it and reporting it. Uh-huh. Uh, they reported the digging uh, the well. Uh, and the difficulties encountered during the project collided with someone's vision that we should have uh, uh, of what should have been found there. A little exaggerating on the depths and the temperatures and fabrication about hollow uh, creatures and screams. And all of a sudden there was a great story to throw back um, to those who claim that there is no God. Though it's impossible to pinpoint when the news story about the well in Russia transformed into a story about scientists breaking into hell or who was responsible for that transformation. Uh, we do know that in 1990, the Trinity Broadcasting Network aired... A scientist discover hell story 
and place the event is happening in the Kola Peninsula. A Norwegian school teacher visiting California heard the broadcast, took the story back to Norway with him. He then mailed it to a Christian magazine in Finland in the form of a letter from a reader. It reached a Finnish missionaries newsletter. From there, it returned to the United States, reaching both the TBN people and other evangelists who claimed they had gotten it from a respected Finnish scientific journal. In the spring of 1990, the legend we know appeared uh, in uh, a couple different publications and shows, um, and it just kind of has gone on and on and on and on and on from there. I'd never heard of that. You never heard of the hellhole? No. Literally, hellhole? Uh-uh. Uh, that's that. It's, I gotta say, I mean, the sounds are pretty damn creepy. Since you took off your headphones earlier, here it is again. That's all it is. Okay. Right. But I just debunked it, so you don't have to be freaked out. I'm not now. Somebody made it in a studio. You know, they're, they're, essentially what they did was they overlapped horror sound effects, you know, one after the other, probably 20 times over. And that's what it was. Yeah. So there you go. No porter to hell. Are you disappointed? No. Okay. No, I'm okay with that. So that's that. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. I'm a little disappointed in it. You know, because it was, uh, I, I, for a little while there, it was like, oh, what if that really was real? Nope. It's always kind of disappointing when you debunk the the stories like that. Yeah, yeah. it is. So let's go to the caller, 855-853-4802. Hi, uh, my name's Julie. Um, I currently reside in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, the experiences that occurred did happen in our home in Bensonville, Illinois, uh, my four other sisters can vouch for this because they all experienced this, and as well as my mother, who's a very religious woman. I mean, she doesn't even like me watching Twilight. Um, she also can vouch for this and went through these experiences as well. Um, this was about, I want to say it was about 12 or 13, so this was 16 years ago. And they began with a friend's birthday party. I mean, they were messing around with the Ouija board. I, I do remember that. And then about a short time after that, a friend of mine lent me a Wicca book. Um, for all of you that don't know what Wicca is, it's, you know, supposedly white magic, that sort of thing. Uh, has connections with the earth. You know, it's supposed to be benign, non-harmful. But, um, yeah, after that... Um, things started occurring. Um, one of the first things I do recall, I was reading the book, you know, just going through it. I didn't really take it seriously. I was just, you know, reading it because I'm a really avid reader. Uh, my mom, she ran upstairs. Uh, my house has, well, I had two floors where I lived and she was downstairs. She ran upstairs and was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. I'm reading a book. Um, she said that downstairs, it, it seemed like somebody was jumping up and down in my room because the ceiling fan was shaking. Uh, she could see that I was not out of breath, that, you know, I was just reading a book. So she's like, okay, you know, carry on, <laughs> that sort of thing. And, uh, well, things started occurring after that. Uh, my older sister, she said that she had seen a shadow of a like an adult male or something like that, like an adult um, in her room and it just kept getting closer and closer, um, which was odd because my sister's not afraid of anything. We actually had to move out to the suburbs because she was involved in like gang activity and that sort of thing. So she's not easily scared and she was petrified. Um, 
and one night her and I were talking about what happened. And now there was three bedrooms upstairs on our second floor. My younger sister was on the left side. I was in the middle. My older sister was on the right. Now, my younger sister on the left, she cannot sleep with her door closed. She always has her door open. Um, I remember that time my sister and I were talking. My younger sister was already asleep for a while. She sits up with her eyes closed, and she says, Look, they can see us. And I was like, what the heck is that? You know, she was asleep. Her voice didn't change or anything, but her eyes were closed, and it was just really creepy. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, um, certain things started occurring after that as well. You know, we could hear someone walking around, uh, doors closing, that sort of thing. What really um, did it for me was I sleep with my door closed. I cannot sleep with my door open. Um, I felt somebody in my room. I didn't hear my door open and or close. So I'm like, how did they get in here? And I was asleep. It was probably 2 or 3 in the morning. I could feel them in my room, and I could tell that it was an evil spirit. It was not good. It wasn't an angel or anything or a ghost of a relative or anything like that. But I could feel something was in my room, and it started breathing on my face. So I was like, I closed my eyes really tightly shut, and I pulled a blanket over my face because that's all I could think of doing at that moment. I was so scared. Um, after that, you know, telling my sisters what happened and all the things that were going on, we ended up sleeping downstairs in our living room, which didn't help either because we could still hear them walking around. And I say them because it was multiple um, like somebody would be walking in my room, but they would be walking in my sister's room. And we were downstairs, and they were right above us, so that didn't really help. So we all ended up sleeping in my mother's room. And she's like, you guys are ridiculous. You eat too much sugar. You watch too much crap on TV. You know, you guys are just making it up, that sort of thing. Well, finally, one night, she knew all of us were in, our, in her room. My dad was in there. We were all sleeping. Well, she could hear, it was loud. It was like slamming the door. Like it was um, by the stairs. Like there was noise coming up and down the stairs. Like it was messing with us. And it finally woke my mother up. It was about two or three, like three in the morning and she has to get up like at five. So she's angry at this point. And she gets up, I was already awake because I could hear it. She gets up, walks over like angry, starts rebuking the spirit and rebuking for people that don't know um in, in christian belief is when you use scripture or the name of jesus to get rid of a spirit like an evil entity and she's just like in the name of jesus i you know i rebuke you from my home you have no authority in my home you do not belong here you know get out you know that sort of thing that night my mother has a dream of me coming home with a backpack in her dream, there's a large snake coming out of my backpack, wrapped around my body. And, um, you know, I'm just like, hey, mom, you know, in the dream, like, hey, what's going on? Like, nothing. So the next day, she investigates my backpack, finds the Wicca book, and, I, you know, she confronted me about it. She's like, you do not mess with this. You know, this is not... Uh, a joke. It's not a game. You you cannot mess with us and that. You know, I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I apologize. Um, we eventually moved away from the house. We never really experienced things after that, um, except when I was 22. Um, so about nine years after this, I was eight months pregnant. Um, I have a feeling it was a, 
around the same time we watched uh, my my daughter's father and I, we watched Paranormal Activity at the theaters. I have a feeling it was around that same time. Um, I was asleep. It was, again, two or three in the morning. I got up. Well, I didn't get up. I woke up. My eyes woke up, you know, opened, and I could feel something evil in the room. It wasn't a person. When I looked, it was like a cloud, like a dark, you know, I don't know, like a dark entity and it was getting closer and as it got closer I couldn't breathe I was paralyzed now this has never happened to me before and it's never happened to me since but I was paralyzed I couldn't move I was starting to lose my breath and I'm looking over to my daughter's dad and like trying to wake him up with like my eyes you know but he's knocked out and I'm like oh my god this is it this is how I'm gonna die <laughs> and I start rebuking him again at, at, like I say him because you know evil whatever so I start rebuking in my mind you know in the name of Jesus you know that sort of thing get out you have no authority you do not belong here out get out and it goes away now this whole ordeal probably lasted 30 seconds it felt like an eternity as soon as I could move, I shot up. I ran upstairs because we were downstairs. Um, I ran upstairs, called my pastor. Again, it's like 3 in the morning. He picks up, and he prays with me, but I still sleep upstairs. Um, after that, nothing really happened. Um, and one of the main reasons I'm calling also is just to warn people. It's not a game. You know, These there is a spiritual realm. They do have power, obviously, as many people have experienced, you know, the spirit boxes and Ouija boards and that sort of thing. It's not a game. Uh, my husband and I absolutely love watching your show, um, watching your show, <laughs> listening. Uh, we listened um, throughout our whole honeymoon and, you know, just, you know, keep it up. I like that you guys have an outlet for people to express what's going on. But again, like I said, not something to be played with. Um, take care. God bless you guys. How romantic. <laughs> That's, that's pretty awesome. neat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. That's something that's kind of cool. They're going to remember that, too. Like, remember on our honeymoon, we listened to that ghost show? Yeah. That's cool. Um, and there, I think that, that story right there should go into our uh, <laughs> our our uh, Ouija Dare program. <laughs> yeah. Here's what could happen, kids, if you play with Ouija boards or other <laughs> objects of the occult. Um you know, I, I think they it would might fit. not be a bad idea to put that together, and then listeners that have kids that age, where they're you, thinking, they're like, "Here, listen to this hour-long show of what can happen if you play with that." We make a show specifically for kids about the uh, the dangers the, of the Ouija the board. dangers of the Ouija board and occult things. That could be interesting. That could be kind of a fun show to put together. Can we get like children's characters to join us? You know, with a special appearance by. Barney. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's too young. Um, I think, I, you know, seriously, I mean, it's not a half bad idea. Yeah. I uh, would use it. Maybe we could do it for Halloween or something. One of the things for Halloween. It's our gift to you. Yeah. Uh, 855-853-4802 if you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us. Okay. This one is the first time I ever truly saw what I think was evil. I was eight years old, and my mother and I were living in a beach house in Belmar, New Jersey, and apparently an animal had gotten into the house, I believe it was a possum, 
and unfortunately it lost against my mother in a shovel um i'm sorry to PETA and all the animal lovers out there but this was a mom who was really scared and trying to protect her family and couldn't get the animal out and it was unfortunate but it happened i know she put the animal in a pillowcase and being an eight-year-old child i asked if um i could give it a proper burial as kids will do sometimes in the backyard i took it way to the back of the yard um out kind of into the woods now we had a backyard and you walked and it would be like this little thin wood line that would get thicker as you looked into the woods um i dug a hole i buried the animal and i did what a lot of kids would do i reverted onto my sunday school teachings and i didn't know what to do i said a little prayer and i sang a little song i don't remember the song but it was a song we did in sunday school about animals I wish I could tell you what it was, but I don't remember. And while I was doing that, I felt like something was watching me. And unfortunately, I was right. I looked up, and through the woods was standing there a woman. And this woman, I would like to say old hag, but she wasn't. She had a younger face long long black hair um layers and layers of clothing like uh blacks and grays and very worn long skirt long um what looked like maybe a a shawl but it had like arms to it and everything she had on was was shades of black she looked at me and i caught her eye and i felt like i was just frozen there i mean i want to say out of fear but it was more like you just you're locked into it you're just staring and you're wondering i can't put it into words and every bit of hair stood up on my arms and my the back of my neck and just sheer fear frozen and she never said anything. The one thing I remember the most and keep in mind it was that eight years old that scared the living hell out of me was the way her hands kept I don't know like kneading like almost making like fists and then opening up and making fists again. The only thing that was moving was her hands. And she was probably gosh maybe 15 20 feet away and just staying there not saying a thing and just kind of meeting her hands and staring at me but the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life and it still haunts me to this day it just makes me so sick to think about it and I just have to just say it she had one string of snot coming out of her nose that hung down past her knees and was just swinging not breaking not falling and keeping just hanging there and i remember looking at that and just getting so scared 
And I looked away because it just grossed me out. And I looked, when I looked back, she was closer. And she had moved, moved up. Now, this is woods. There was leaves on the ground and, you know, just sticks and things like that. No walking. I didn't hear any walking, no steps. I didn't see her move. I didn't see her glide. But when I looked away and looked back, and this was just second, she was closer. I looked away again to try to look to which way to run and look up again, and she's closer again. She's probably three to four feet in front of me, but she just stayed to the edge of the woods. She, now she was up against a tree, and still her nose was running and just an unusually unnormal amount. And it just sent all kinds of chills through my body. At that point, her being closer, I did what every red-blooded American person would do, and I screamed, and I ran. And I ran through my, into my back door, opened the door, slammed it, and leaned up against it and just hit the floor and curled up in the ball and just was screaming. And my mom came, and at that point in time, I remember... My mom came out of the kitchen. What's the matter? What's the matter? Is something chasing you? She's yelling all this stuff and asking me multiple questions. And then I remembered there's windows above me in the door. And I moved over to the side of the wall and I said, Mom, there's a woman out there and she's chasing me. She looks outside the window. I don't see anybody. There's nobody out there. You must be, you know, whatever mom says. You must be imagining it or whatever, and there's nobody chasing you. What's the matter? What's the matter? And I get up and I look out of the door, and I see the woman. She's standing at the edge of the woods, and she's looking right at me. And my mother's looking out the back door and saying she doesn't see anybody. At that point in time, I ran to the other side of the house, and I remember curling up on the couch in front of whatever TV show was playing, and my mom was standing in front of me telling me, there's nobody out there, there's nobody out there, you must be imagining this. And I knew that woman was out there. And I remember getting up enough courage a little bit while later and looking out all the windows, and now I don't see the woman. And that was the scariest thing, because we don't see her. Where is she? I know what I saw. I know what I saw. And it was just so gross. And her eyes, the way she, they weren't red, they were normal eyes. It was just the way she looked at you. And now I didn't know where she was. And that was the scariest of all, because I had no idea where she went. And my mom didn't see her. And I was looking out the same window and looking right at her then I'm guessing she was a ghost. That's the end of my story. That's pretty creepy. That's very creepy. Ghost with an allergy problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really creepy. I mean, yeah. just, I mean, just the imagery itself. I mean, it, it is like something you see on like horror movie boxes, you know, where it's the demonic 
woman kind of, you know, that, that's not necessarily old, but, you know, younger, but, but ragged and, uh-huh. you know, possessed looking with, uh, God, I can't imagine seeing that. No. That's uh, obviously a very dark entity. I mean, when they pre- present themselves th- that way, it, it is designed to scare you and, and freak you out. Yeah. Know, I think more than anything else. Eight- 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call if you have a real ghost story. One more quick call uh, before we wrap up the show for today. Hi. Hi, Tony. Uh, this is Shannon Dixon. I called in with, a, or actually didn't call, but written, wrote in a few times um, with a man in black story and things like that. I'm listening to your haunted children's asylum right now, and you were talking about if your grandpa came to you with glowing red eyes. When my grandpa Dixon died, I had a dream that he came back and um, came to get my grandma, but it wasn't him. He had glowing red eyes, and I could tell that it was like not my grandpa. It was something posing as my grandpa. And I had this dream for like a week on end. My grandma got really, really sick and thought she was going to go. Luckily, she didn't. What was weird was that I was in the bedroom across from where my grandpa lived, um, or used to live when he was awake, alive, whatever, and um, I could hear sounds like he was in there. Like, I could hear him say, hey, baby, to the cat, and hear the cat meow, like, in response, and I could hear, like, the um, door handles on his dresser kind of click around. Well, it was really terrifying to me, because I thought, man, if this isn't my grandpa coming to get my grandma, what the beef is it? Well, um... Recently, as in like last week recently, I had a random dream about my grandpa Dixon, but this time I could tell it was him. I looked into his eyes and they were his blue eyes and he gave me a big old wet floppy kiss on my cheek like he used to do and my grandpa had a big old hard tummy and I gave him a hug and I could feel his big old hard tummy and I could feel the fabric in my hands of his shirt that he would, you know, the type of shirt he would wear. I could smell this old spice cologne and when I woke up the next day, I thought, wow, that was more than a dream because I hadn't thought my grandpa in a dream since the time when it was a poser and um i called her just to make sure she was alive so she was she was fine but i mean it was really interesting because i went from dreaming of my grandpa as this entity posing as my grandfather and then moving to now i've had a dream to where it was so real i really almost feel like i had encounter with my grandfather and it actually made me feel better well, um, not quite a gross story, but it was pertaining to what you guys were talking to. So I hope you guys are having a good day, and thanks for having me on the show. Bye, guys. What do you think of the uh, the poser grandpa, as she put it? I I believe her. I mean, she knew that that wasn't her grandpa. It's a good thing that grandma didn't die right then. Yeah. That would have been kind of disturbing, you know, just on a psychological level, mm-hmm. if you're thinking that that's, then she made it through... Um, well, yeah, that's, I mean, at least it was just maintaining a dream and it wasn't like she saw the poser grandpa out there in yeah. reality. Exactly. If you will. All right, well, there you go. Another uh, episode of Real Ghost Stories Online wrapped up. It's uh, kind of interesting is when I throw these, like, these bizarre concepts out there of, like, what if you had, a, you know, this or that, like, and then we get somebody calls and goes, that did happen to me. I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I had a dream about my grandpa being the devil and kept thinking, <laughs> uh, it's okay. Um, 855-853-4802 is your phone number. Share your real ghost story with it. Uh, with us, we'll play it back on a future episode. Or, of course, you can always just write in on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Get your bonus episode by emailing me. Once you've given us a good review on iTunes, what your username is, I will then uh, reply back with that bonus episode for you uh, from Real Ghost Stories Online. My email is Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.